It's a good day to be in church. Awesome. How many of you came for the 11 o'clock service? Raise your hand. Be honest. You know the service starts at 1045, folks. Right, we're just springing that up on folks. That's all right. If you're Hispanic, you're just on time. If you're Puerto Rican, you still got 30 minutes to get here. That's a joke. But we're so glad that you're here. Man, if you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're here. Can we welcome our Branchville facility guys? Good morning, gentlemen. It is good to have you. Now, our Branchville facility guys, in order to get a Bible, uh, they have to come three consecutive weeks. We had another gentleman earn his Bible this week, so can we give him an awesome hand? Man, we are so proud of you. I want to put this out there that if you are uh, a, I, I'm just upset. I'm just going to get, I'm going to air my grievance with the ladies of our church. We get outdone, man, every time we do a women's thing around here. Our women show up 10 times more than men. So we've got this HER conference that had 175 women last year. They're up to 380 signed up already. So when we have our HIMS conference, okay, I'm expecting around 10,000 men to be there, okay? So uh, we're going to outdo them with our HIMS conference, and uh, it's going to be really good. Uh, we're going to watch football for several hours, complain about things, and fall asleep together. It's going to be just an amazing time of fellowship, so you're not going to want to miss it. We're in week two of our series, Real, okay, where we're talking about, all right, what it's like, how can we be with God and real and honest? What does it mean to be the real you? What does it mean to live an authentic life with God. Last week, Pastor Chris kind of laid the groundwork for this, and he talked through three different areas. The first one, just want to recap them real quick, was accept your limits. We serve an infinite God, but we have limits. We can't do everything or be everywhere and do everything. Many times in our culture, we are overscheduled, overworked, okay? We run around and we try to fit things in when they shouldn't fit in. We have to realize that we are a limited resource. God is infinite, but we are limited. Now, many of us know this, that if we get the opportunity to go, hey, we can just do one more thing, we end up doing that one more thing, and we have to find and resist the power to do that. Second thing is embrace your gifts. Everybody, in the sound of my voice, whether you're watching online or at Branchville, everybody has ministry gifts for God. Everybody does. You have to embrace the fact that God has given you these gifts. God has made every one of us unique, and a lot of times we reject or devalue the fact that we were given a gift by God. We go, no, God didn't give us a gift. God is, doesn't see us as valuable. That is absolutely not true. God has given every person in this room a gift to be used for his service. You were created for that, all right? And you want to do that. We don't want to devalue ourselves. There's a lot of men who go, I can't stand, step up to lead my family because I don't feel like I could do that. That has already been placed inside of you. You just got to wake it up. In the Bible, you might hear like this. You need to fan into flame the gift of God that was placed inside of you already. You were born with it. You have it. And the last thing, boy, I need to work out. Whew. Got no air left. If you want to hear the full version without heavy breathing, go to first service. 
You need to see yourself the way that God sees you. You need to see yourself the way that God sees you. He ended his sermon last week by going through a list of scriptures of the way that God sees you. You are his child. You are redeemed. You are called. You are more than a conqueror. That is the way that God sees you. You need to accept that, embrace your gifts, accept your limits, and see yourself the way that God sees you. Now, this week, I want to walk you through how do I practically do this? How how do I do this practically? How do I honestly become the real, authentic self with God? This is what I did. Uh, I just made them three R's to make them easier to remember. Number one, okay, or the three of them are recognize, respond, and rest. Recognize, respond, and rest. And rest. So we're going to talk through that first one here for a second. Recognize this. Recognize that the real you is discovered, not created. The real you is discovered, not created. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm playing semantics with you, that I'm playing some sort of word alliteration with you. No, I'm not saying tomato, tomato. There's a huge difference in the difference between being created Okay, and discovering there's a there's this idea that discovering who you are and creating who you are. And I want to talk about it because a lot of times, man, back in the day and kind of throughout history, men and women have been trying to figure out who they are. Okay, what is their identity and identity is found in value. How am I valuable? How am I purpose? What is my drive here on this earth? Why am I valuable? Why do I have significance? And how do you find that meaning? And it kind of goes back a little bit. So I'm going to talk about philosophy and sociology for a little bit. So don't, don't get mad at me. Don't throw anything at the platform until I get done where it makes sense. Okay. So if you want to hurl something, just, you know, tell your neighbor and hold it back until I get done. But I want you to hang with me for a second because over centuries, okay, Traditional cultures, traditional cultures have been honor-based cultures, meaning you did what was best for your family to honor, to bring honor to your family, right? The idea was that if you were growing up in a family of blacksmiths, that as you got older, when you became old enough to work, you would become a... Blacksmith, right. That was honoring. That's what you were supposed to do. And what happens is, is as you've done this and as you've honored your family in this way, we didn't have like these rags to riches type of stories that you have now. And another term you can think about it is back in the day, back centuries, some 300 years ago and plus, they did things, and it's kind of impressive when you think about it, that was best for their community. They would think about what their community needed and go fit that need so that it was community-based, right? But they didn't have this individual sign of significance. Those were traditional cultures, right? One of the easiest ways for me to show you this is through Disney movies, all right. I'm not endorsing these movies. I'm not saying you should watch them, but I like them. Okay. So I'm going to show you a couple. All right. How many of you remember Mulan? Right. I love this movie. What a great movie. Right. But here's the deal. Right. She goes to see her matchmaker. Right. She's not into the whole process. She doesn't want to be made up. She doesn't want to be matched. She wants to do her own thing. But in order, there's a song that says, you'll bring honor to us all. 
right? And the song, it just keeps going. And the whole thing is, if you want to bring honor to your family, you do what your family tells you to do. Therefore, you will bring honor to them. The problem is that she doesn't want to do what her family wants her to do. She wants to do her own deal. We see this again in a second movie, The Little Mermaid, right? She doesn't want to be a mermaid. She wants to be a person, Right? She sings, she's twirling, she needs more clothes, but she's doing her thing, you know, she's singing around. She's like, I want to be a human, up where they walk, up where they run, up. I could sing it to you folks, you know, I got it. She wants legs, right? She doesn't want to follow in the family deal. And here's what happens as many times is, the idea is this, traditional culture says fulfill your duty, modern culture says live your dreams. And there's a big difference. Our modern culture says that you basically don't have to be what your family says. You don't have to be what the community says. You can be whatever you want. Right? And if you understand this, that that idea originated with Christianity. Right? That before Christianity comes around, before Jesus comes around and starts teaching, before this Bible concept is coming around, there was no value in people. You just did what you did. Therefore, when Christianity shows up on the scene, because you were created by God and he gave you a plan and a purpose, therefore you had value as an individual. You weren't just seen as part of a community. You had value as an individual. And that's where it comes in. But since that time, since traditional times until now, we've stopped believing that the creator is the one who defines us. And now we're just kind of our sovereign self. We're independent of our creator. We were created for a purpose, but now we are independent of that. And since we are independent, nobody can tell you what to do, how to believe, how to, how to look. There are no basic concepts. There are no gender roles. Nothing can be dictated to you. What we basically believe is that the individual has the right to do whatever they want. And so we leave creating our own identity. If you were to Google at any moment right now self-discovery, there is no shortage of people thinking on this topic for you, right? I found one that I thought was uh, kind of funny, kind of interesting. Put that up there, guys. It says this. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating your purpose. Life is about creating your purpose. But the idea is here to be the real you, to look inside of yourself, to find your dreams, follow your heart. You can never let anybody tell you what you want to be. Go and create yourself. Go and have this identity thing. Your identity was not meant to be created of your own making. It's something that you were to discover by going to God. You were supposed to discover your purpose by going to God. And how do you do that? By getting on your knees going, God, I trust you. Why? Because he's the one who made you. If you believe that you were created, you need to go back to the creator to get your purpose. Right? And you know who I feel bad for right now? I don't really feel bad for them. I want to be honest and I want to have an honest conversation with how many of you have millennial children or grandchildren or you know a millennial? They have one of the hardest jobs of any group growing up in recent history. And let me tell you why. This generation, okay, has had to live out of 
and, and create their own purpose. They weren't given one. There wasn't a family business coming down the line. There wasn't some sort of expectation. It was like, go out there and create this life down to the fact where every day has to look like perfection. On social media, they have to project perfection. They can't make one wrong move. Nobody cared what I ate for lunch when I was 20. Nobody wanted a picture of it. They have to project these perfect lives. They're on social media, and there's a million people telling them how to live their life and how to do it perfectly. Therefore, what happens when you have a culture that has to grow up under this kind of pressure to produce perfection? They don't move at all. They don't make any decisions. Why do millennials live with you forever? It's because they're afraid to make the wrong choice. They're afraid because nobody's out there going, hey, let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me show you the way. Can I be honest with those of you who are in this, that God wants to be that for you? God wants to be the person to help you discover your purpose, why you were made, right? God wants to help you figure out what your next step is, but it starts by recognizing that you weren't meant to determine it all in the first place. You have to realize that's not your role. You don't get to decide what you are. If we talk to the guy who invented the hammer, and he came in, and I was using the hammer to saw through something, he has all the right in the world to come over to me and be like, hey, uh, my friend, that hammer, you're using it wrong. It wasn't designed to saw through something. There's a saw guy, okay? Okay. He made the saw. He'll show you how to cut through that more efficiently than using the hammer to try to do it. Because I created the hammer. The hammer has, you know, its purpose of pulling nails out, putting them in. That's its purpose. And I'm sure there's other purposes, guys. I just don't know any. Right? So what is it? The person who made the hammer gets to dictate its responsibility and what it was created for. It's funny to me how many people tell me they made something. Right? I call it the Ikea effect. I will go to your house, and you're like, look what I made. Look how I did this. I'm like, whoa, hold on. Do you believe that you made the furniture? And they're like, yeah, I made it. I'm like, so you didn't get it out of a box with perfect instructions. You didn't get it in a similar... Somebody, a creator, went and made it for you so that it gave you everything you needed to follow those steps. That's going to come back to bite you here in this sermon in just a second, so hold on to that idea. If it's true, then we're not meant to go and dictate ourselves we're going to be, but rather submit yourselves to God. In Luke chapter 9, he says it like this, and it's awesome. It is so clear once we hear it from Jesus himself. It just blows your mind when you're like, really? He is really talking to me. It says this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, that includes everybody here. He's just continuing the conversation. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost and destroyed? 
I'm going to use the paraphrase version of the Bible, and in Luke chapter 9, the message Bible says it this way. It says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. This is Jesus telling his disciples, you are not in the driver's seat. If you want me, I am in the lead. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you. Self-help is no help at all. That needs to hit home with some of you, all right? It is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self, the first step to recognizing what God is doing in your life is that he is the one everything comes from to begin with. He is the creator. Recognize that the real you is something that is discovered, not something you create for yourself. That is the exact opposite of what culture teaches right now. Culture doesn't teach that. Culture doesn't teach that God created you. Culture teaches that you're this independent, sovereign human being to do whatever you want. And the Bible speaks contrary to all of that. You are not only independent, you're not even in the driver's seat of your own life. We might be in the trunk still. Some of you are trunk people. I'm a trunk person. Second thing we need to do is this, is respond. Respond to your next step. All right, so once we're in this place where we figure out, we say, okay, God, I want to do what you want me to do. How do I do it? How do I practically do it? How do I put that next step? It's about taking steps. God moves in steps. I want everybody to say that with me. God moves in steps. Okay? God does not reveal entire plans to anybody. God works in steps. Why is this? Why doesn't God just give us a whole plan? I, there's two reasons. Number one, we would screw it up. We would screw it up. We'd absolutely screw it up. Okay? I'll tell you how I built things in my house, and this might be the Spanish portion of me. I look at the outside of the box. I don't look at directions. I don't follow directions. I look at the outside. If there's 50 leftover screws, I'm like, did it. Better than the original. Saving money here, right? So I would screw it up. The second thing is this, is you would believe you did it. You would give yourself praise for what you've accomplished. You, you would take credit for it. You'll be able to look, look at everything I've accomplished. We see that. The Ikea people, remember I just talked about them? They take credit for something they didn't do. Legitimately, back in the day, okay, I'm not that old, but I'm getting there, right? Back in the day, there was no Ikea. Somebody had to be smart in your family. Or furniture just didn't get built when it got to your house. There weren't good directions, Right Now they're shipping them to your house. Everything is perfectly laid out. You can build an entire house in Ikea in one day. Okay, That didn't happen. How, you're like, look what I did. I'm like, I would beg to differ. You actually did very little. You spent money to go back to the originator, to the creator, take his ideas and build them on your terms. There's a big difference. If you're not the creator... 
You might be able to follow steps, but you're not the originator. You're not the person who made it happen. So our job is to follow God in his steps, and God leads in steps. I want to show you two graphs real quick. One is the one that I call, uh, it's kind of like the non-realistic version. Guys, can you put that first one up there? Some of you think that when, I'll move out of the way for those of you on this side. Some of you think that when you come to know Jesus, this is what your life is going to be like. From the point Jesus enters in, it's going to be this straight shot up to heaven. Right? That's going to be the perfect ride. You're like, boom, rocket ship, Jesus, awesomeness. Nothing bad's ever going to happen. Bless you, brother. God bless you. High five. Amen, brethren. Right? And so instead of realizing that God works in steps, and the idea of steps is twofold. Number one, not only does he work in literal steps, giving you step by step, but your life will then reflect it over time. What does that mean? Put up the second graph. This is more like your spiritual development in real life. That there's going to be times where it feels better, then it goes down, then it goes up, then it goes down. Why? Because I'm following God. And sometimes it seems counterintuitive. You're like, why would God have me do these things? Why am I going through this? This doesn't seem like it's going up. It feels like it's going down. That's because it literally reflects the steps that you're taking. So how do I do this? You need to respond and trust God and go. See, there's a difference between obedience and agreement. And we know the difference, right? How many of you ever had a conversation with your boss, right, that you agreed with your boss on that topic, therefore you both went away happy, right? How many of you have ever had a conversation with your boss? Okay, guys, you can put wife in here. You disagreed with the boss, and you did it anyway. That's called obedience. There's two different kinds. God is not looking for your agreement. He's not going, hey, let's have a conversation about this, and whatever we come to terms on, we'll do that. That's agreement. Anybody can do that. God's going, I want obedience. Whatever I call you to do, go do that. How does this play out in real life? I had a, a, a lunch with a, a, a gentleman the other day. He literally tells me everything God is speaking to his heart and then goes, what should I do? Like, well, how about what you just said? Let's do that. Let's, let's do exactly what you just said. I don't know what he wanted from me, but the reality is that's what he needed. I have to be careful. He's in the room. Right? And some of you, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. You do this with four-year-olds, three-year-olds. How many of you have children that tell you to close your eyes and follow me? If you can trust a four-year-old, you can trust Jesus. It's not like your four-year-old is looking for your destruction, like they opened a window and they were like, come on, Mom, just a little further, a little further, and you'll fall right out that thing. Okay, some of you have devil children. We have a whole ministry for that. It's called downstairs. They'll pray it out of your kid while you're up here. Okay, but the whole idea is that's how God is with you. He wants you to just trust him. You don't have to know where you're going 
to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, he doesn't lead that way. Why? Because you would take the credit and you wouldn't go anyway. For some of you, God's been waiting on a long time for you to make your move. You've been at a plateau spiritually. You're like, I'm not moving. And God's going, just take the step that we've been talking about for the last 20 years. Let's just do it. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel Jesus anymore. I'm like, take the step. Well, I don't know, Pastor Joe. I think we should come to an agreement on this. I was like, we're never going to agree with Jesus. That's what makes it scary. That's why it's called faith. But the real you is something, is not something that uh, is created. It's something that you discover why you were created. Man, I talk about this all the time. The two best days in your life are the day you were born and the day you figure out why. That is so important. And then it leads us to this last part. Your last step to becoming real, not only do you have to recognize, not only do you have to respond, you need to rest in that. You need to rest in who God is. Ryan, if you'll come and join me. You've got to rest in who God made you. You know, a few years ago, my favorite people to teach, I've got to be honest with you, is not adults, not even close. I love teaching young people, children, youth, you name it. So a few years ago at a VBS, they're like, hey, Pastor Darrell, you're creative. How many creative people we have in the room? Just me. Okay. Okay. Several. Thank you. They're like, hey, can you teach about building sets and creative design and all this to third and fourth graders at VBS? I was like, oh, I would love to do that. And so what do I do? I get all of them together, and there's about 40 kids in the class. And I get them a box from Home Depot. And each one of them looks at me, and they're like, I get a box from Home Depot. That is what, that's what I'm getting. I'm like, yes. I don't know where Ryan is, but he's coming. There he is. Thank you for joining us today. It's like the Tonight Show sometimes up here. Can't tell the story without you, man. Can you please hit the keys? Thank you. I feel so much better now. I can tell the story. I'm up here talking about Home Depot boxes, for crying out loud. So I give everybody these boxes, and before they get their box, I had already drawn on the boxes. And I said, look, I just need you to paint in the lines. Okay, just paint in the lines. Right? Because most of the kids, when asked the same question that I asked you, said they were not creative. I said, I bet you you are. You just don't know it. No, no, I'm not. And so I gave everybody their box, and for two days they were aggravated with me because I got 30 minutes with them. I said, do whatever you can to that box. Make it your box, but stay in those lines. So after those two days, on the third day, we take these big, you know, two-by-two two boxes, and there's 40 of them, and they stack about 12 feet tall when we put them all together. And I had numbered them, and when we put them all together they formed the logo of that VBS. No matter which way we turned that cube, which as long as everybody was on the same number in their same spot, no matter how they changed their box, it stayed on logo. So they were able to do a million different combinations. They were so proud of this masterpiece that they had put together. 
not realizing that they were just a tiny piece of it. Once they saw their peace together with everybody else's peace, they realized the Creator was up to something. You are just a small piece of a masterful tapestry that God is weaving together. Some of you might not even realize that you're like, I can't paint and I'm not trying to make fun of Michael J. Fox here, but I legitimately, my hands tremble so badly when I try to write or paint that they don't, they can't even stay in the lines anymore. I've been tested, so don't call me. But I love it. I, I, I love to paint. And sometimes my wife buys me these kits where I get to paint by numbers and it's so relaxing. I could never make a Picasso on my own but if the creator would give me the guidelines and just give me one step at a time take all the number threes Daryl and paint them blue by the end I have painted a masterpiece that was not of my own doing but following steps of an amazing creator God has that for you. God is able to take not only the beautiful pieces of your life, but the darkest parts of your life and make them something beautiful. You're like, Pastor Joe, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know why I would be in that situation. Can God honestly do that? Yes, he can. How do you know that? Because I'm that person. Let me tell you how important learning how to pray about your one next step is. I don't know if I've ever shared this story before here. I might have. And forgive me if I did. I'll share it again. I was 21 years old on a staff of a big church. I was an intern there. And all these pastors had amazing stories of everything they had done. And here's me, little old me. They're like, hey, how about you get up and preach? And I, I tried to get up and preach, and it was terrible. Nobody gives their heart to Jesus. They're kind of like cheering for the guy coming next. And for weeks, I, I'm kind of wrestling in this, and nobody's really coming to see me. And every time I show up at the hospital, everybody's kind of disappointed. They're like, oh, they sent you the, lead, the lousy pastor. I'm like, well, I hope you die too. I'm not even praying for you. Lousy pastor, no prayer, I'm out. That's a true story. Somebody called me that one time when I showed up. But I would go rejection after rejection after rejection, and so finally I just had it. I had three days off, and I was so distraught. I remember it like it was yesterday because it was Father's Day, and Father's Day two years earlier, my father had died on Father's Day. And I was just like, you know what, God, I want to do this. And I really struggle with anxiety. Some of you know that, some of you don't. I take meds just so I can do what I'm doing now. If you struggle with anxiety, my trigger is people. So you might notice I hide a little bit when you're around or I'll tuck myself in a corner and make sure you can't get behind me. And I remember sitting on my bed and I was so distraught. I had a bottle of pills and I was just going to take them all. I was like, I'm done. Wanted to kill myself. 
I didn't know what to do. I just sat there and I had the drink. I was just sitting there. All I can remember in my head was that somebody said that before you do anything, you pray. So before I did what I was about to do, I just prayed. You know what God told me? It wasn't some amazing revelation. It wasn't a Bible verse. It wasn't anything crazy. It wasn't anything that you would go, wow, that's so incredible. I've got to do that again. How did you do that? How did you hear that? How was that a part? No, all I heard in my heart was put the pills down. That was a step. And that step from putting the pills down is the reason that literally thousands of people have come to know Jesus because I put those things down. I've been able to travel and teach so many kids I've literally lost track. Guys, I could spend my whole career, and I'm not bragging, I could spend my whole life doing weddings of kids that I've changed their diaper, that I've reached in a youth ministry, that I've preached to at a youth convention. In two weeks, you're gonna, there's a kid up here, he's planted an amazing church, his name is Joey, he's coming and preaching for us. I've known Joey since he was 15. And I walked him through life. And that doesn't happen if somebody doesn't teach you to follow God's just next step. That if you want to be the real you, if you want to be really authentic, real transparent with God, don't go asking for master plans. Go, God, I'm obedient to your next step. It might be tough. It might be, there aren't going to be perfect days. This is not a church where you're going to hear that Jesus is going to save you from all of your problems. You're going to hear that Jesus will walk you through every one of them. And at the end of your life, the sum total of your life, they will all make sense and will all be done to the glory of God and your life will be worked in steps all the way. So today, my question is simple. If you would sit here today and say, Pastor Darrell, that's me. I need to find my purpose. I need to know why I was created. You have a creator. The way I know that is I see you. You have been created. Now it's time to discover your purpose. Fill your part in the great tapestry that we call Christianity, filling your role. So that when we get to heaven, we all look down and go, wow, wow, I was a small part of what Jesus was able to do here on earth. I was a small part of what God is able to do in the lives of changing people's lives. So you bow your heads and close your eyes with me all across this place. You say, Pastor Girl, that's me. I, I need to pray today. I need, I need to discover my purpose. I need to rest in God. I need to trust Him more. If that's you, will you raise your hand so I can pray with you this morning? Thank you, thank you. Hands are going up all across this place. Thank you. You can put it down. Once you've raised it, you can put it right back down. 
If you haven't raised your hand, but you know you need to, you say, Pastor Darrell, that's me. I need to pray. I need to, I need to discover my purpose. Will you raise your hand for me one time just so I can pray with you? Thank you. Thank you. If you mean business with God this morning, I want to challenge you that after I get done praying with you and after we close out this service, Pastor Paul, he's up front here. I want you to come and pray with him. If not, you can pray with me out in the atrium. I want to pray with you about your next step. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice. God, that lives would literally be changed by you. Your spirit would anoint, would bless and watch over. Heavenly Father, we seek out to you for direction and discovery today. We know that you created us. God, we know that there's lines that we can't cross in our own life. We know that there are literal barriers, Lord, in life that we have to stay inside. But I know, Heavenly Father, I know this, and I know this much about you, that, Lord, as we paint, you are going to create something masterful out of every single one of us, that our lives are going to be changed, our hearts are going to be changed for you, God. And I honor you this morning. I thank you for the lives that were changed this morning and those who are starting a new perspective in you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen.